This morning, my message is going to be different. Um, I've never directly preached uh, a message that I'm getting ready to preach this, this morning. Uh, I've preached around it. I've preached on different areas of it. But this morning, I want to preach, basically, a message on suicide prevention. The title of the message is Hope When Life Seems Hopeless. This past Wednesday night in our prayer time, Brother Preston reminded us of a young person that had committed suicide in our area this past week. I'd also remembered a couple weeks ago when one of our members from St. Matt's had shared about a loved one that they had who had committed suicide. After Brother Preston had mentioned about this person who had committed suicide last Wednesday, I asked him to pray, and on second thought, that probably wasn't the best thing, because I just watched him as he struggled in his prayer, but I could see his sincerity and, and how it had touched him to think of another person losing their life. Probably everybody in this room has been touched in some way by suicide. It's a subject we don't like to talk about. It's a subject that we would rather just put away. But do you know that there's a person in the United States committing suicide every 12 minutes? It's that strong. It is that evident. And so that's why I felt it was necessary to bring and talk about it in a morning like this. Oh, sometimes we do studies and they're good on Sunday night, but the 15 people that are there, it's very limited. You know, life sometimes seems impossible, doesn't it? Let's be honest. Life sometimes seems impossible. So that's where people begin to struggle with the thought of suicide. But also, I want you to remember something. This is where Satan begins to plant a lie inside of us, that that lie is, is that, that self-inflicted death is better than a God-given life. And he begins feeding us that because life seems impossible to the point that it convinces, convinces us that we cannot go on. One of the things about our holy God is that our God tells the truth. And one of the things I want you to remember this morning as we think about this is that God told us in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. Sometimes in life, because maybe our life seems to feel messed up, we feel like we have nowhere to go. You see, that's what Satan wants you to believe. But God is telling us, he said, you come to me, I'll tell you the truth. You might not want to hear it, but as you hear it and deal with it, it'll set you free. And this morning, again, I want us to, to see the importance, and I'll be mentioning a lot of scriptures. You're just going to have to jot them down and look at them later. But you know, when we hear the word suicide, it brings many thoughts to mind. It might bring back even memories of loved ones that you are aware of. We need to think about that for a moment. You see, in Deuteronomy, the children of Israel were struggling. And God was trying to show them 
that they had life. And we find in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Today, I want us to see the importance of choosing life. I hear what we sang about this morning. I don't know if that came out right. But, but, but the music that we had, it was wonderful in the sense of the, of the message and the excitement that it brought. And I wish we could have that being pumped all through America, being lifted up, letting people see that their hope is in Jesus Christ. But as we know, that is impossible. Many times when someone does that deliberate act, sometimes suicide is, is described as a deliberate act where one person kills themselves in an extreme state of despair. If you look in the Bible, we find that Judas was an example of that. Judas realized what he had done and how he betrayed Jesus Christ. And on that night, he took his life. He hung himself through the silver down and realized he, he, in that moment, what he had done. And so there is what we call a suffering suicide where it is a deliberate act. There's also successive suicide. It also is a deliberate act, but it's the, what we call the slow killing of oneself. And, and you, might, you might say, well, picture, what, what are you talking about? Well, Suicide, successive suicide, usually involves a deliberate denial. It, 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 it deals with where, well, someone who has been smoking for 30 years, is that a successive or just slowly killing themselves? What about alcohol? What about drugs? What about the way we treat our bodies? You know, in Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. You see, if we're leaning just on our own understanding in our world today, you say, well, smoking, that's just something I can do if I want. Yes, you can do that. But just know that smoking does kill. You say, oh, well, preacher, I know people. I know people who have smoked all their life. But also look what it did to their life. What it took away from their life. Slowly killing yourself. Taking prescription drugs, knowing that you, don't, that you shouldn't take them, but it gives you that little oomph, and it gives you what you think you need for another day. You're slowly burning up cells within your body. Slowly committing suicide. You said, oh, preacher, that's kind of drastic. But that's exactly what it is. There's another we hear today somewhat is called supported suicide. Do you know that in some states in the United States, it is permissible for a doctor to aid you in your death? More states are accepting and doing that and allowing but even we find, as we think of supported suicide, do you know that in, in the Bible, it's not where you're committing suicide, you're having someone else do it. What about King Saul? King Saul requested the soldier next to him 
to kill him, his armor bearer. He said, kill me, stab me, put the spear through me. Because the enemy is approaching. And the armor bearer was, was scared. He, he, he just, I can't do it. And finally, what did, what did Saul do? He took his own life. But he wanted someone else to do it. I, I, I want us to see that there's another type of suicide. That sometimes we, when we think of suicide, we just think of that one where a person takes their life. But there's also another one. And that's what we should call spiritual suicide. And it is just as horrible because there are people today who are killing themselves because they're deliberately disobeying the revealed will of God. Oh, that's choice. It is choice. But maybe we should look at it in a different way. Spiritual suicide results when anyone disbelieves the claims of Christ. What about In Matthew 19, where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he failed to receive eternal life because of what? His disbelief. Uh Uh-oh. Now, take that a step further. This, This even surprised me. What about Adam and Eve? They willfully chose to disobey God's command and ate from the tree of knowledge, and the act resulted in the death to themselves and all of their descendants. Spiritual suicide is a real thing. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it tells us that, where Adam and Eve made that choice. Now, those that deal with suicide or are thinking of suicide or are contemplated many times what causes them to to do that well again you can look in the bible for king saul saul was in fear of torture and death See, he was a king and he was leading his men in battle and they were losing and he knew that he would be killed or captured or tortured and the fear of that caused him to take his life. Fear is something that is running rampant today, isn't it? All types of fear. Fear becomes large. Fear becomes huge. Fear becomes dominating, thinking there's no way out. But what about our God? Have we forgotten? You see, Satan feeds us this lie that there's no hope, but there is hope. Sometimes we also have the fear of being left behind. The armor bearer, the one that Saul asked to to kill him, but couldn't. After Saul did kill himself, the armor bearer had the fear of, I'm the only one left, and he took his life. Fear will motivate us in the wrong way. Or the fear of revenge. There's in, in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23. Antipahol. I can't even say this guy's name. I, I listened to it all morning. Uh, but but this, this guy had a plot to kill King David. Yeah, that's his name. That's it. The one starts with the A. Preston, I know you could do it for me. That's close. That's pretty close. He realized that his advice had not been followed, so he saddled his donkey and set out for his house in his hometown. 
I just thought of something funny there, but I better not go there. He said his affairs in order. Ask me later. His order, and he hanged himself. Because he had given the wrong advice. He was in fear of revenge. We find others that were in fear of humiliation. What about, what about Samson? He took his life, didn't he? Yeah. You see, it's in the Bible. And, but look at Samson's life. Samson had a life of what? Samson thought he was on top of the world. He could do anything. People were bowing down to him. But because he lost his faith or lost his direction on God, what happened? He lost everything. And then he prayed to God. He said, God, I'm afraid what my oppressors are going to do. Give me the strength one more time to pull the pillows down and to kill all these people. What about the fear of revenge? Or what about guilt and remorse? Isn't that what Judas felt? Remorse, guilt, and he took his life. What about, remember Paul and Silas in the jail? And that night there was a great earthquake that took place. And we woke up that morning. The jailer said in Acts 16, 27, and 28, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. And why was he scared? Because he knew that if he lost those prisoners, his life would be taken. Now, fear is a... It's real. But what happens, what should we do when we face that fear? Well, it goes back to looking at the truth. But before I, before I get to that, though, I want you to think with me about some of the, and I think this is important, some of the fables, some of the myths about suicide. Jot down this verse, Proverbs 13, 14. The teaching of the wise, or wise man instruction, is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. Did you get that? Proverbs 13, 14. Now here's some myths about suicide, or some fables about suicide. You probably have heard some of these. Suicide is the unpardonable sin. That is false. Suicide is not the unpardonable sin. Now, I know we, think, we, we, we associate that sometimes because we think suicide is bad, and it is. But it's not the unpardonable sin. Mark 3.29 says, But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. Now, suicide is not the unpardonable sin. The other thing that we hear that is a myth, not true, is the tendency to commit suicide is in. Inherited. I've heard this before. It is not inherited. There's no evidence of genetics or biological tendency. Now, what we do need to hear is suicide can be a learned behavior that can be passed down in a family's environment. But it's not genetic. Another myth or false is that everyone who 
commits suicide is mentally ill. That's not true. The majority of people that commit suicide are not mentally ill. People who talk about killing themselves never do. Another false statement. People who talk about killing themselves never do. We must take any threat of suicide seriously. You know that those who have taken their own lives, 80%, 80% have warned somebody. Proverbs 18.15 says, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, and the ears of the wise seek it out. Another myth, another falsehood is that never talk about suicide with deeply depressed people. It could give them ideas. Now, you can assume that most depressed or very anxious persons have given some thought to taking their own lives, but for a person considering suicide, having someone talk with them can be very powerful in preventing the situation. Proverbs 16, 21, the wise in heart are called discerning and pleasant words promote instruction. Also, I want you to see that also another false Hood is Christians who commit suicide. Listen to this. Christians who commit suicide lose their salvation. I know there are certain denominations that preach that, but that is false. And I say that because according to the Word of God, once you have believed in Him and relied upon Christ as your Savior, you have a guarantee, you have a promise of eternal life. I know sometimes we say, well, well, look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in him when you believed, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of your inheritance. For the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Guys, in other words, he sealed it. When Christ died, he died for all. He died for all time. Another falsehood is that a deeply committed believer would never commit suicide. I know it's hard to accept when a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, commits suicide But it does happen. Again, because that fear, those lies of Satan are that real. They are that real. But the hopelessness that comes across a person just seems to take over. Jeremiah chapter 20. This is another one to read. Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 14 through 18. Jeremiah... He had preached God's word as God's prophet. I tell you, preaching God's word, you can get discouraged. Look at Jeremiah's discouragement. This is God's leader, God's prophet, God's man. This is what Jeremiah said. Cursed be the day in which I was born. The day my mother bore me, let it never be blessed. 
Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father, saying, A male child is born to you. Bring him great joy. Bringing him great joy. Let that man be like the cities the Lord overthrew without compassion. Let him hear an outcry in the morning and a war cry at noontime. Because he didn't kill me in the womb. So that my mother might have been my grave, her womb, eternal pregnant. Why did I come out of the womb to see only struggle and sorrow to end my life in shame? You see, that's how discouraged Jeremiah was. A man of God, he was discouraged. But also, Jeremiah held on. And one other falsehood. Once people attempt suicide, they will always be weak and unable to face difficulties in life. Guys, that's false. There are people today who are strong in their faith. Yes, they tried to commit suicide once in their life or maybe twice. But today they've turned their life over to Jesus Christ. They have found the source of life. Oh, it doesn't mean that they never have any, any difficulties, but, but today they're strong in what they do. Now, where does that bring us? Well, I want you to know that I, that I firmly believe God wants to bring hope when we feel like we've lost all hope. Another verse is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. You know this verse. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you believe that? I do because it's in the Bible. Come to me, all of you who are weary. That means all those things that are pulling you down, burden. And what did he say? I'll give you rest. Let me give you four truths in the time we've got left. First truth, God offers real solutions to your problem. God offers real solutions to your problem. God created this universe, didn't he? Look at all the intricate parts of this universe. The little things. Some of us said, well, I don't have time for that. Just let that go over there. God took care of every minute detail. God created us as human beings. Doctors are still amazed at how the human body has been put together and how it works. If God has created the universe and God has created us, wouldn't God be the one to fix us? Now, if your watch stopped working, now I know some of you think, well, my preacher, my, my watch... It's $9.98 from Walmart. I'm just going to go get another one. But if you have a, a watch that has some value and maybe sentimental, maybe you want to get it fixed. And you take off the back and you say, hmm, I better not touch anything because I'm going to mess this up. What do you do? You go, to a, you go to the watch pair place. You find someone who's used to being on the inside of watches. Guys, Where's our hope? In a living Lord. If we have problems, that's who we go to. 
He's been in the inside of us. He's been in the inside of this world. He's been in the inside of life. He knows what it's about, and he offers real solutions. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's where we get in trouble. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. Amen? The second hope is that God's love will give you an unconditional love. Let me tell you, God's love is like nothing else. God loves you with an agape love. And agape means, it's a Greek word that means he has a commitment to seek your highest good no matter what you do or don't do. What does Jeremiah 31.3 says? I love you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with loving kindness. The second truth is God loves you with an unconditional love. The third truth, God offers the solution to your sin. The Bible says what about sin? It says it separates us from God, but Jesus doesn't want us to be separated. He desires us to be close. 1 John 1, 9, what does it say? It says if we confess if we confess our sin... He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all righteousness. The fourth truth, and here is so important. God offers you a permanent peace through a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Life-changing relationship. John 14, 6 says, What I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. God offers us a permanent peace. Now, I know that's even hard for us to think about because in our world today, what's permanent? You know, you go to the store and you look at a product and it says lifetime warranty. Have you noticed that what we think a lifetime warranty is and what the store thinks a lifetime warranty is are two different things? Oh, it's a lifetime warranty if this certain thing breaks. But that's not what the box says. It just said a lifetime warranty. Well, guys, what God wants to offer us, it's permanent. That's like when your child gets a hold of the permanent marker. Uh, yeah. Permanent. You notice those have kind of faded away. Now we have erasable markers. We don't like permanent. Well, you know what? When it comes to God, that's what I want. Permanent peace through a life-changing relationship. In other words, he wants you to come to that point in your life where we basically say, God, I need help in my life. What is so wrong in saying that? Every one of us could say that. Lord, I need help. I need you in my life. I admit that I've sinned. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my personal sins. Lord, come into my life. Lord, I give you control. Lord, make me the person you want me to be in your precious name. You see, 
God has a way of restoring the joy. Proverbs 51.12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. In our world today, I know there's times you say, I just, I don't know what to do. I want you to know you've got a God who wants to sustain you. If it's to pick you up, if it's to hold you, and He wants to help you see the truth. He is our hope. And when we feel like there's no longer hope, I want you to be reminded that, that God is saying there is hope in what He brings. Satan is trying to get us today in this world of despair and hardship to buy in a lie that it is better for us to end our life then enjoy the God-given life He wants to give us. He has something for you. Maybe you haven't found it yet, but God has something for you. And if we desire a relationship with Him and establish that relationship with Him, we will have that God-given life. And when we become discouraged, and when that fear grows, guys, pull this word out. I can share testimony after testimony from the Gideons of how the Gideons have placed Bibles in hotels and motels around this world and people who are laying up in their hotel that night with every intention to take their life. They open the drawer and they find the Gideon Bible and they read it and that night God saves them and they don't take their life. We as children of God must spread that there's hope, not in us, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that Jesus saves. And this morning, may we remember that. Share that. Preach that if we need to. Share that with a friend. That there's hope when life seems hopeless. And that hope is Jesus. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that we would all be reminded of the hope that you bring. Lord, I know as we hear the news of another person, and especially when it's in our own community, we think, Lord, what could we have done? Lord, it reminds us of how we need to continue to spread the news about you. We say, well, Lord, everybody knows, but then... The fear takes over. And they feel like there's no other way. But Lord, I pray that we could share with people today that there is another way. And that is through you. Lord, I just pray that you give us the strength to continue to share the hope that you can bring. I ask this in your son's name. Amen.